Previously on Barefoot Boys, Mohan Bagan were having some teething troubles. A lot of passion for the sport, a lot of raw talent, but no real experience and no drive. No doubt they would have still reached stardom, but the road would have been harder and longer if not for one man. Selendranath Bose, the no-nonsense guy. From Luminary, this is Barefoot Boys, a podcast about an Indian football team that went toe to toe with the British and, against all odds, emerged as a national symbol, a symbol that told a country fighting for independence, "We can win." I'm Konkona Sen Sharma. my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Selendranath or Selin Bose took over the running of the club in the early 1900s from his brother Jyotindranath Bose who was the general secretary While founder Bhupen Basu was still very much a presence president Selin Bose soon became the key decision maker of the club Unlike his predecessors Selin Bose didn't think the Mohan Bagan team should have the college only education first approach Selin Bose's first impression about the players was who are these people who are these people walking into the field after such a heavy lunch just jogging with the ball this is shantanu basu great grandson of bhupen basu he said this can't go on if we really need to equal the british we have to fight against the british equally we have to show them that we can fight as well as they can skill is secondary but to play physically hard for 50 minutes that's what will make the difference to really understand selin bose's philosophy and approach you have to know his background his was a personality molded on the battlefield literally partho basu bhupen basu's great grand nephew added to his cousin's account subedar major shailen bose another grand uncle of mine was the highest ranked indian officer of the 49th bengal regiment 
He was supposed to have been wounded in battle and according to my mother, spent bullet casings were recovered from his body during his cremation. Selin Bose led a regiment composed of fellow Bengalis as well as people from Rajasthan, the Sikhs of Punjab and other northern parts of the country. This was a proper dilemma for the British. There were too many Indian soldiers there to be led by a white officer. So the British army found a way out. They made Selin Bose a subedar major. Selin Bose could execute the same responsibilities as a full major without ruffling the feathers of British majors. Pragmatic and racist all at once. Having served side by side with the British, Selin Bose understood there wasn't a lot of difference between the Indians and their white masters. Same guns, same battles, same color of blood. This was the point Selin Bose wanted to impress upon young Indians after his retirement. He wanted all Indians to understand that they were on par with the British. One of the first things he noticed at Bagan was that his barefooted players struggled for grip, especially on rainy days, a common enough occurrence in Calcutta. When it rained, the players' feet slipped, their shoulders drooped, and their fighting spirit dimmed. Selin Bose, using his military experience, found a solution to improve his footballers. Here's Shantanu Basu again. There used to be a huge playing ground. On one side, it ended in an upward slope. So, Shailin Basu greeted all the players on that field and asked them to run up the slope. But there was a catch. First, there were hose pipes that shot water down the slope, making the mud slushy and making the upward journey much more difficult. And then, Shailin Bose gathered some old friends of his from his army days. He gave them the same kind of boots that the British wore while playing and told them to wear those boots and kick the hell out of the Mohan Bagan players as they tried to climb up the slope. <laughs> Sounds brutal, doesn't it? But this innovative coaching technique worked like a charm. It lanced through the fear that the Bagan players had internalized. Boot nahi. No boots? No problem. Rain? No problem. Stamina? Try matching us. Subedar Major Selene Bose's organizational ability, coupled with his solution-oriented approach, managed to uproot something that had been drilled into Mohan Bagan. And indeed all Indian hearts for generations, that the British were better than them. Because it wasn't just Mohan Bagan who were growing. Mohammedan Sporting, founded in 1891 by Nawab Aminul Islam, the ex-Inspector General of Bengal Presidency, Abdul Ghani of Malda and Malvi Mohammad Yashin of Bordhaman won the coveted Kuchbihar Cup multiple times, signalling the growth of a Muslim community that didn't want to be in the shadows of the Bengal Hindus. In Kolkata Football, which is one of the first books written on the history of Indian football, Rakhal Bhattacharya states that in initial years, Mahabharanasi didn't have a big support base. Here's journalist and historian Shomnath Sengupta on Mohammedan's rise. Muslim community lent more support to Muslim Institute, while Mahabharan struggled due to lack of funds and members. It was only from the 1920s that Mohammedan started their rise to the top rung of Indian football. Dr. Shoguta Bhaduri, JNU professor and historian, has a different and somewhat impassioned view. A Mohammedan sporting club being the first Indian 
team therefore to have won the calcutta football league just like mohan bagan was the first indian team to have, uh, to have won the ifa shield this particular equally momentous history and which would have led to an equal nationalism but of course it would have seen as contributory to another nationalism which our predominantly uh, hindu historiography of nationalism may want to elide but anyway this particular background i thought was very very important to understand the 1905 bengal partition because the 1905 bengal partition especially since we are discussing in the context of football is not necessarily restricted to only these two narratives that is whether the british wanted to divide bengal for administrative expediency or the hindu bengalis thought that this was primarily to curb the the resurgent nationalism in bengal he goes on to talk about a third possible narrative one that is often ignored there was indeed a third line also and which points towards this intensely communally divided nature of bengal and the intensely differential levels of progress levels of development that were meted out to the predominantly muslim so clearly there is a hindu west bengal club there is a hindu east bengal club and of course the name east bengal itself can originate could have originated only after the formation of east bengal because without there being an entity called east bengal there cannot be a football club and of course a dedicated fan formation of east bengal and mohammedan sporting club so the point is that the three main clubs in the calcutta circuit calcutta indian football team circuit was also primarily oriented around this particular uh, tripartition as it were trifurcation of uh, uh, hindu west bengal hindu east bengal and muslim <sighs> this goal goal of nationalism and football and legacy makes me dizzy these footballers whether they played for bagan or east bengal or mohammedan couldn't have known their own fates let alone the fate of a country that would become three countries within a couple of generations a lot can happen in the next 3 years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to 1 full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today. That's j u v e d e r m.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Calcutta, the capital of British India, home to Fort William, the military headquarters of the British, home to the Calcutta Mint, where the first currency note was printed, the site of the Battle of Plassey, the site of nearly every critical British office under Governor-General Warren Hastings, a city of vital importance to the British Raj. But it was also the historic home of the Bengal Gazette, Asia's first newspaper, seized by the East India Company for its provocative journalism. It was where Raja Ram Mohan Roy worked with the then-governor Lord William Bentick to first ban the practice of sati. It was the home of progressive luminaries like Roy, like Surendranath Banerjee, like Tagore. And these voices of resistance to British rule, who persistently popped up across two centuries, scared the hell out of the British. So they, under Viceroy Lord Curzon, devised a strategy. Split Bengal into two. From Herbert Hope Risley, Companion of the Indian Empire, Secretary to the Government of India, to the Chief Secretary to the Government of Bengal, I am directed to address you on the subject of the desirability of reducing the territorial jurisdiction of the Lieutenant Governor of Bengal, with the object of lightening the burden now imposed upon the government by the increases of population, by expansion of commercial and industrial enterprise, and the growing complexity of all branches of the administration. The First Partition This proposed division would mean that more attention could be given to previously neglected regions like East Bengal. But the British Raj's true motive, the nationalists argued, was to divide and rule to take away the chances of a united front in the national movement. As residents of the capital, the Calcutta Bengalis benefited from quality education under British rule. They had access to missionary schools and colleges, better opportunities for government posts and steady recruitment to the army. The leading figures of our national movement from those days came from this background. And Lord Curzon and the British Raj knew the inherent risks of governing such a society that they would create thinkers and leaders who would wake up to demand rights long denied them. Splitting Bengal would weaken their influence, kill the nationalist spark before it became a raging fire. In three months' time, Bengal will get partitioned into two. Assam, Chittagong, Rajsahi, Hilichipera and Malda will become part of a new province called East Bengal, and Assam. This was the announcement Viceroy Lord Curzon made in his official proclamation on July 19, 1905. There was now going to be a deep line running through British India. Enough is enough, the rising leaders of the nation said in unison. Divide and rule, the Indians said, as influential leaders such as Rabindranath Tagore and Surendranath Banerjee gathered the masses. These were clarion calls to the nation. Indians everywhere understood that if they allowed the partition to succeed in Bengal, it would not stop there. From Pune to Punjab, protests erupted. 
in Bengal, Raksha Bandhan was celebrated twice. The first was the one we all know on its designated day in August, but the second was special. Rabindranath Tagore urged people to renew their ties to one another, to push the definition of brotherhood, to make it clear to the British that even partitioned, the people were one people. That even if divided by religion, language, class and geography, Bengalis were and would remain Indians. So on October 16, 1905, it wasn't merely Hindu sisters tying rakhis on the wrists of their Hindu brothers. It was Hindus and Muslims of all ages and genders reaching out to one another. The rakhi became the new symbol of unity. Processions and big public meetings on the streets of Calcutta continued for days on end. Out on the streets, the protests were alive with music, literature, art. Tagore's Ama Shonar Bangla, which was written for the protest, lent words to Bengal's plight. Its first few lines would become the national anthem of Bangladesh in 1971. India's national song, Vande Mataram, had a part to play too. It was a cry, a marching song, so potent and threatening that the British Raj immediately issued notice that the song was inflammatory and seditious. Singing it could land you in jail. Meanwhile, Surendranath Banerjee started a boycott movement. He urged Indians to destroy all the British manufactured goods they owned and replace them with India-made products. For the Bengalis who wept and cried Vande Mataram and Amar Shonar Bangla, the boycott and the Swadeshi movement, as it came to be called, touched a chord. Tens of thousands of people switched from foreign products to desi alternatives. This was a full-blown anti-British wave, well beyond politics. You could see it everywhere. At textile mills, soap factories, tanneries, match factories, insurance companies and banks. The spirit of nationalism had inspired Indian businesses to be brave and innovative in making themselves heard. And it was only a matter of time before Bengalis turned away from the preaching and pedestals of political leaders. They began looking elsewhere for guidance and inspiration. P.C. Ray's groundbreaking work in chemistry and Jagadish Chandru Bose's inventions became a matter of great pride. All the achievements of that time from industries, scientists, artists, writers were heralded as first and foremost Indian accomplishments. And of course, there were the sportsmen, the footballers. Nagendra Prasad Shobhabajar, Dukhiram Mojumdas Aryan and Monmotho Ganguly's National Association had their own fan bases. But there came a new contender in Mohan Bagan, the Mariners. While Mohan Bagan never declared their victories or their vigour or valour on the field as calls for independence, by 1906, the Bagan team had stopped being scared of their white opponents. Shantanu Basu recollects what members of the Bagan team, goalkeeper Hiralal Mukherjee, Kanu Roy and Habul Sharkar, had once told him. We are still not sure how we got so confident. We were suddenly not thinking of the British as some exclusive race. That change of mindset, whether intended for revolution or not, was an inspiration. And it was contagious. It was transmitted from players to fans to the rest of the community. It fostered the kind of unity that sports fans are all too familiar with. Like they say, an avalanche can begin with a pebble. And these guys wielded a football. Now, 
Next on Barefoot Boys, we witness Mohan Bagan's slow but steady rise to prominence and get our first glimpse of Shibdas Bhaduri, the captain of the Immortal Eleven, the Amor Akbar. Barefoot Boys is a luminary original podcast produced by Rainshine Entertainment and you've been listening to me, Konkona Sen Sharma. Gaurav Vaz is our executive producer, Vivek Madan is our director and script supervisor. Our writing team was led by Vivek Madan, Vikram Shah and Archana Nathan who wrote these episodes along with Shankhudeep Sengupta, Nevin Thomas, Arka Bhattacharya and Amar Shyas. We recorded the podcast at Island City Studios with Ashir Balsara. Sachi Rajadhaksh is our sound designer and audio producer and Ayan Dee mixed and mastered these episodes. Thanks to all our guests and experts for their time and valuable inputs. And a special thank you to Sidin Vadukut for his help getting this podcast off the ground. And most of all, thanks to the Amor Akadosh, 11 men who did the impossible. Who taught a country to dream and for a brief moment showed us what freedom felt like long before we were free. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.